This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. So, welcome to the War Room. It's a pleasure to have you here, Deborah. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the one of the things we like to do when we kick off this conversation on the show with a new guest is ask, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs or business owners? Yes, I do. I actually grew up in a small business environment. My parents, they uh, in the 80s were importing um, IBM compatibles, which in today's terminology is the desktop computers. Uh, and they were one of the, the front runners in doing that in uh, in Australia. And um, so the kitchen table, as in most small businesses, becomes a boardroom table. And uh, by the by the age of five, I understood, you know, simple concepts like interest and um, the, the importance of, of, you know, being on top of your finances in a business. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So that happens now. Was that sort of where you got the inspiration to go into business, even from that well, age, or was something else happened? Well, not it was not really a conscious decision. Um, a lot of what I learned just embedded in my common knowledge base. Uh, when I was about eight or nine, uh, mum was complaining about there being too many lemons on the lemon tree and because they're all falling off and rotting underneath. So I got all the kids in the street together. We filled up the... Um, the washing basket. The only rule was that we had to take the good lemons off the ground first, and um, and get and put the rotten ones in the rubbish bin. So Mum had a um, a, a second uh, process in place there, and then um, we'd go down to the end of the street and we we sell the lemons. And then at the end of the day, when we all had enough, um, I'd split up the uh, the takings to between all of us, anyone that participated equally, and we all go up to the shop and have a big spend up on sweets and um, chips <laughs> and, you know, all the things that you're not supposed to be eating. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and, and I was just I was just solving a problem that mum had, you know, but it wasn't really conscious decision that that would be the vein that I would take. I um, When I was choosing my subjects in the year, year Year five in high school in Australia, that's where you choose your subjects. I actually um, was led into all the science stream, uh, which was not where I belonged. It was like it's like being um, in a situation where um, everyone's talking a different language, and I just I just really didn't cope. Um, so when I went into my final year, I took all the uh, business subjects, and I actually topped the class in accounting and economics because, to me, I couldn't understand why they were teaching it because it was so much part of my common base that I learned around the kitchen table growing up My mum and dad ran their own business. Oh, wow. See, that's a perfect example of never judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, right? This was, that was your domain. 
the minute yes. you stepped in, you're like, oh, wait, you guys are having trouble with this? This, <laughs> this is what we talked about for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So at what point did you see, it was never a conscious decision, but at some point you had to make like a, like a commitment to going into business, right? Yeah. From um, that point, I actually studied uh, an economics and accounting degree and I followed the accounting strain. So I became an accountant. And uh, I actually, a lot of my places of employment was the small, medium business environment. Um, quite often, I was the sole uh, finance team in, the, in that business. So I had to do the whole facet of the, of the finance uh, function. And um, a lot of that was actually supporting the, the either the business owner or the general manager in the t- decisions that they had to make in their business. Um, and what I did is I actually... I, I would um, outgrow the businesses very quickly. So, you know, three years I'd be totally on top of it, but I persist for two more years. So every five years is the timing of me moving on from one place of employment to another. And um, I actually started striving to find bigger businesses, thinking that that's uh, where I should be. But I realised, um, having gone through that whole process, is that I belong in the small, medium business environment uh, because that's that's the environment I grew up in at home and it's what I understand and uh, it's where I can provide the most value to to business owners and business managers. Yeah, there's a big leap in terms of the way things are run and how many hands have to be shaken uh, the minute you start getting into the enterprise level. It's one hand too many for my taste too. (laughs) What I get, because a small entity has to be really efficient and they have to use their resources and time really wisely, whereas the larger the entities become, the more and more waste and, um, you know, less and less work, each role actually contributes to the, the role overall. So, And I'm a bit of a workaholic, so that kind of grates with me a little bit. Uh, so I'm just I'm just built for the small medium business environment. Well, you're you're in good company here. I want to take a second yeah. to let uh Jason chime in on what he's heard so far. Okay. Yeah, like you, I cut my teeth in that small I grew up with that. Um, yeah. I grew up my mom ran a diner, she ran a clothing store, she ran a video shop, she had her fingers in everything. And, and my dad was a farmer. So, you know, we didn't have, there was no digital stuff back then. It was the, the white or the red covered notebook, right? <laughs> you remember those notebooks? That had, they were red, right? Yes. And, you know, that was a PL, <laughs> right? It was, but, but if you went back and looked at it, it's funny because I was just home last week. And I asked my dad about it. I said, you still got those old red notebooks? He was like, yeah. And he busted one of them out and opened the first page. And it was it was his ledger from like 1978 or something, right? Yeah. And it read almost exactly like a PL would print off out of QuickBooks, right? Or wherever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was interesting how. I mean, they already knew that. My dad was very uneducated. He was done with school in like seventh grade. So yeah. Um, so he taught himself all the bookkeeping stuff. And oh, but he went through banks like underwear. No. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wouldn't give him money. He was he was on to the next one, right? So yeah. but but uh but yeah, I understand that kitchen table becomes the boardroom thing. Yes. And 
because it was funny. We were, I was just home and they just uh, were going to sell wheat, right? Green. Yeah. And we were sitting around the table discussing this like a board. This was just last week. And we're discussing <laughs> wheat futures and we're discussing, uh, you know, the, the, the price fluctuations, how they went up and down and all. And then yeah. we went down to the elevator and had the discussion with them and all this stuff. And then all that, and we didn't sell anything. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the point, point, my parents are still doing it today. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's interesting. So we got a very like background there, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. So, so, so you make the choice to step into this uh, world and you're employed. Uh, at what point did you decide I need to just do this solo or was it always contr- contract work? No, I was an employee uh, up to about uh, 20 years ago. And uh, that's when I had my son. And because um, when he was pre- preschool age, I only had pockets of time. So I worked for my previous employer just a couple of days a week, uh, but I also picked up um, a couple of a couple of people that I, I knew who ran their own business had been me, at me for years. Why don't you come and do our books? Come and do our books, you know. And it was only a couple of hours a month or a day a month, so I actually started picking up a bit of work that way. And um, I, what I did is I actually migrated in doing uh, the bookkeeping and accounting um, on a full time basis for a, while my son was uh, a preschool. So when he actually went back to school, uh, one of my my biggest client actually offered me a position and I very foolishly took it. (laughs) So I was back into that payslip or paycheck arena and um, I from there I moved on to another position with um, a company in the automotive industry. Now, in Australia, the automotive industry shut down. And so in 2014, I knew I was going to be made redundant in 2018. And I thought, well, here's my chance. I've got four years to set myself up with enough capital to um, buy me by and I can go back to running my own business, which is where where I'm happiest, dealing with clients one-on-one and helping them to run their business. And so in February 2018, I stepped back into, into this arena. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's crazy timing because a lot happened the minute you stepped back into the arena. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it, sure, it sure did. It sure Talk did. about the war room. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. well, actually, um, in 28, that, that first year, because I had full 2018 and 2019, I actually picked up a lot of the clients that I had previously um, so that um, – so I, I very quickly had a, had a client base again and uh, most of my work came from referrals. So um, by the time I got to probably about mid-2019, I was, I was pretty, ma- pretty much back where I was when I took that, um, that job with that client, that uh, the step I shouldn't have taken. <laughs> hey, well, it looks like it all worked out, though. It, only, it sounds like it only made you double down on what you knew was true all along. Yes. Yeah, and, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and there was no going back at this point, quite literally, because as soon as you stepped into the game, all of a sudden the world gets shut down. Uh, but 
people need their books run anyways, right? <laughs> well, exactly. What what it's actually happened with the industry, it's sort of pushed it more into that remote space. So um, everyone is now got their um, accounting uh, database online pretty much so that um, I can do it remotely. So rather than having to do all this travel to all these different um, clients' places, uh, I, can, I can actually do most of the grunt work at home in my office um, where it's nice and quiet and you don't get those interruptions. So you get that continuity and um, you're actually more thorough uh, because you're in that quiet space and then you can go and visit them and you're more fully armed for um, uh, what they're facing. Oh, yeah. No, I I think I I was a part of a startup where the the accounting guy, uh, accounts receivable, accounts payable, uh, he single-handedly kept uh, the startup uh, up and running because I, I did a lot of things myself all at the same time. I was a part of the startup specifically for yeah. some podcasting reasons, uh, but I got to see their facilities and the way they were run. But that guy single-handedly, that, that role kept that business afloat during the hardest yeah. times. And you know, they're, they have a lot of overhead because their entire overhead is real estate, right? Yeah. They were a co-working space of sorts. So the work that accountants do, a good bookkeeper, wow. I mean, they will change the very nature of your business if you yeah. get a good one. If you get a bad one. <laughs> you know, they're out there. <laughs> there but, um, you know, you, and, and quite often uh, client, uh, businesses need to experience a bad one to understand and really value a good one. Um, it's often seen as work that um, has to be done rather than seeing it as, as a means to actually help them and support them in running their businesses. Yeah. No, I mean, anybody who's running a business and doesn't understand the value of an account, like it's a crazy, yes, yeah. there are tools, technologies, but you need another human there to some degree to help you make objective decisions, especially when you're that close to your business. Yeah. You, you can look at it differently, but having someone objectively, and you know, I say all this just from reasoning and observations. You know, I, I don't have a huge operation that I'm concerned about or what have you, but I, I've heard some stories. <laughs> uh, what so- I actually yeah, what I actually come across quite often is the business owner will have a perception of where they actually are, but the numbers tell a totally different story. And their first thing is, you know, they put their finger on the report and go, this is wrong, right? So it's a matter of explaining what the figure actually represents because they view it from a totally different perspective than the way that it's being prepared. So, and I find that that's probably the biggest challenge is getting that streamlined so that we're on the same same wavelength and uh, they can actually <laughs> see the value in these reports that they used to think were always wrong. Oh, no, it's the beauty behind math. It's the one yes. thing that'll never lie to you. Exactly. Exactly. If if, if those financial statements are prepared right, they tell you um, it's full of treasure of your business. Uh, I love it. I was just going to say, Jason has said that I think three or four times today, uh, (laughs) just in passing, but it never has it been more accurate than right now in the moment. Uh, (laughs) It's one of those things where, yeah, I've had conversations with friends before where they're like, yeah, I work with some people who don't even know the numbers at all of their business. And I'm like, yeah, no matter how you, no matter how you slice and dice it, you have to know the reality of your numbers, no matter Mm -hmm. what, even if there's zero you better know yes. that it's zero for sure. <laughs> and it's and about once, here's once you- here. Oh, I was just going to say real quick. 
is in your line of profession, here's the beauty behind it is, and I, I tell CEOs this all the time. Yeah. How are you supposed to know where you're going if you don't know where you've been? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what so, the financial statements are. That they don't only report yeah. on the past. They're a tool that you should be using to drive right. your business forward. And it's about mm-hmm. understanding the decisions you make and how they actually impact your finances. Because yeah. quite often a business owner will make a decision that has a bad impact, but they don't actually make that correlation that that was that that um, derogatory effect was in relation to a particular decision that they made a couple of months ago and they don't make that connection. So what happens? They repeat the same mistake again. And, um, yeah, so it's important to understand that that cause and effect. No, yeah, no, like, oh, you mean that, there. That, that pool table <laughs> that I got for the... Do you mean that that pool table that I got for the team isn't actually uh, at assets? <laughs> it's not, but it's workplace culture. No, it's it was a bad buy. You'd be better off buying everybody pizza for the next three years than doing that. Exactly. <laughs> at least you can write that off. What do you do with a pool table? <laughs> no, I, I love it. Um, I'm glad that we established quite firmly just how important the work you're doing is because it cannot yeah. be understated. Uh, so what do you what do you have your sights set on now? Because it looks like, you know, 2019, you got off to a grand spanking start. I mean, you hit the ground running and now you're here a couple of years in uh, right where you were supposed to be to begin with. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Um, I'm in the process. I wrote a book in 2020 part of lockdown, I actually wrote a book called Discover Your Finance Engine, which is about the financial statements on the small business entity. And um, I'm actually going to write uh, subsequent books that um, go into the financial statements a lot deeper because that book actually only covered the face value that was on on the statements. Um, So I've got that on board. Um, I find I work best one-on-one with clients rather than I tried tried the group, doing group sessions. But I find with people's finances, they're very secretive. They don't really want to share their actual positions uh, in a group environment. So I get, it's much more productive for me to work one-on-one with clients. So I have um, I have a couple of clients that um, are basically my foundation clients and they're recurring on and off. Um, and then I uh, occasionally will pick up the occasional consulting uh, gigs. So um, I have I have capacity in my time to actually do that on an ongoing basis. Yeah, no, I love so, that. It's so true what you were saying about some people. Uh, not wanting to disclose their finances publicly. Some people don't even want to disclose it one-on-one when they're coming to you for help, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. You actually, I actually, it's funny. They they have business owners have a funny idea of what you need to know, but really to do my job, I need to know everything, you know? So sometimes, sometimes it takes actually going to their premises and having a look around and knowing what questions I have to ask to sort of get the information out, you know? And then the, you have other business owners that are actually surprised what you know about their business. I think, how, do, how did you work that out? Well, I saw the transaction go through. <laughs> <laughs> You, no. you have a big fridge with lots of beer in it. 
So clearly, <laughs> you're probably trying to write that off. I'm gonna guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. I remember uh, there was a time I was in New York. I was working for a marketing agency, and we were hiring new people. And uh, one of the people we were looking for was a senior role or what have you. And I was a part of the hiring just because I was a problem solver in the business at the time, which eventually how I solved my way into doing nothing at uh, most for free ants. But uh, at the time, I remember watching the CEO ask the, the, the presumable hiree there, right? Who we were going to hire. Uh, oh, you run a business? Yeah, I have a business on the side. That, that's awesome. Uh, what, what do your numbers look like? And they were like, that's actually really personal information. And I was yeah. like, huh, that's an interesting response. You know, and, and the more I, I watched it over and over again, only to realize that it, and it, the opposite of that, you go to like bigger rooms and any business person would be like, ah, roughly $200,000 in revenue, like at, uh, net after everything or this or that. And it's like, no one is scared to say that when they're actually successful. <laughs> you can actually, you know, what they don't realise, they can talk in percentages and then, you know, that still gives you the information that you're asking for, but it doesn't disclose figures. It could be, you know, it could be just talking thousands of dollars rather than um, millions of dollars if you use percentages. So, Right. Oh, about 80% of my business is actually, yeah, right, right, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. So where can people go to be on the lookout for your book, uh, to connect with you for services potentially? Okay, well, my, my book is available in all corner bookstores and all online bookstores. Uh, I also have it um, on my website at zephyrms.com, and, uh, which also um, details my other services and uh, other products that I have. Zephyr, that's a Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Zephyr, M-S, you said? Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. yeah, right on. Okay. Well, I I, I appreciate that. I'm going to be looking forward to that. I, I'm like confident, almost 99.9999% sure I could take a page out of that book for sure uh, yeah. as, as a freelancer in particular. <laughs> that's a personal <laughs> question. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but with that said, I, I also would like to take out uh, a quick break before we get back to the to the grand finales here uh, to give out a shout out to uh, Kelly Gordon at Cyberpreneur Inferno. Uh, they have uh, they have developed something to a system of sorts to help you double your agency's revenue in 100 days. If that's something that you're trying to do with a system that they've formulated, these are people that are part of the community that support the show. And if your assumption is that you were going to start a digital agency for more money and more freedom, only to find out you got less of both and more stress and your monthly income is as predictable as a wild horse drinking Red Bull, well, then Kelly Gordon with Cyberpreneur Inferno is going to give you the attention, the systems, the processes you need, along with others who are a part of that same thing. It's a collective, if you will. And you could spend 10,000 hours learning this on your own through trial and error, like many of us have here in this community. Or you could team up with someone who's going to help you get there and close that learning curve as soon as possible. You could even take a 15% discount by mentioning that you heard about this on the War Room using the War Room 15 online and get ready to double your agency's revenue in 100 days with the 4x4 method. So go to get.cyberpreneurinferno.com forward slash 4x4 method. And you will be at the place you want to be to make that happen. Now, coming back to you. So 
Deborah, if you could go back to that moment when they made you that job offer that you knew you shouldn't have taken, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself then? Be brave. Be brave and and take take the step. Okay, you would probably lose the client, that your biggest client, but um, I had such such a reputation at that point. It was enough to sort of launch me into the future, and um, actually take that those steps on diverging the business that I actually was was actually thinking of doing. So, be brave would be the biggest statement I would say to myself then. Oh, I love that context. Uh, that client made you a job offer knowing yeah. you were working with a bunch of other people and you were, I was almost pressure if you will. Cause you know, okay. if you said no, yeah, no, that's wow. Yeah. And you don't see that unless you're hindsight, right? Cause in the moment you're like, Oh, well, I don't want to rock the boat, but yeah. really that was unfair. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a test and a test I failed, unfortunately, <laughs> but I'm up back there in the end. It just took me a while. <laughs> It happens. It happens. But I love that kind of reflection. Uh, with that said, I want to check in with Jason one more time before we go to the big finale. Yep. That's the, that's the, the, you got the deck stacked on you. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. right. You got the deck stacked on you. They probably knew you were in that place where it could go either way, but it was attractive enough. And uh Yeah. You know, but uh, you made the leap and the leaps, the leaps are the ones that are important, you know, and it's one thing I always try to get across to young people is, you know, find out what you're really good about and focus on that. It's a different world than it was, yes. you know, when I was a kid, it's not the same. We have, it is a lot easier today to be a freelancer or a gig worker, they're calling it now, right? To do that, that wasn't even a, probably a possibility when I was younger, right? Yeah. Just be, because people weren't hiring that kind of thing. We're in a virtual world today. None of that existed when I was a kid, right? There was no... Uh, I remember when MySpace came out. <laughs> that probably dates <laughs> me a bit. Uh, <laughs> never had an account though, but, uh, but yeah, technology has just—it's me—it is like made life easy for the younger generation now to take off with this stuff, and 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 hopefully there's a little inspiration from your story to be able to do that for sure. Mm, yeah, yeah, I hope so. Well, they're definitely going to need uh, your your book because yeah. <laughs> uh, even though their gig economy is real, uh, financial literacy is not. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, true. Uh, in particular yeah, that's... for gig workers. So, with that said, the the grand finale, the way we like to to wrap things up is by asking if you could have invited anybody to this conversation here today with us to join us, listen, or even contribute. Who would you have loved to have had here at any point, place, time in the world, that kind of person, and why them? I, w- I would have invited Gino Wickman. Um, oh, I actually heard I heard him on a podcast uh, in 2020 
when I was looking for uh, people to to give me testimonials on my book and I caught him on a, a, a podcast, I can't remember what it was called, and um, I just just from what he was talking, I thought, God, this guy thinks like me. I, I hadn't heard of him. I didn't know who he was. So I thought, you know, I've, I've, got to get, I've got to see if this guy will give me a testimonial for my book. So I sent I bought the book that he had out at the time and um, I sent off an email and uh, they gave a response and said he's on a, um, a sabbatical at the moment, so um, you'll have to wait about three four months. And I thought, well, I think he's worth waiting for. So I waited and I actually got uh, a testimonial for my my book, Discover Your Finance Engine from Jana Whitman. So I would love to um, uh, have a conversation with him and um you know, find out where he's at and, uh, and to thank him for um, the gift he gave me. By It's just the endorsement that someone of his calibre, which I learnt after I got the uh, got the email, that um, that he actually endorsed um, what I put down on paper. It was it was a big, big plus. And I'd love to have the opportunity to thank him. That is was a that, pretty big deal. Was that Rocket Fuel, uh, the book? No. Book? Traction, right? No. Uh, the one that he just released was um, on the entrepreneurial leap. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Gina Wickman is that's a that's a big, big, big time player name right there. <laughs> so yeah. you, you got the stamp from Gino Wickman. Wow. Yeah, and and it makes sense. I mean, that only goes to show what you're talking about. That's money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I, the feedback I got was what I'd written down actually made sense. <laughs> you know, look good. Yes. That's what we're looking for. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Are you kidding? Having him on would have been a, a gas. I mean, all, all of us would probably still be not wrapping an episode, but starting the second half of the episode. That's how. No, it's, uh, it's crazy how much value certain people can bring to the table. And Again, like we're saying, with with what you've done and what you're continuing to do, uh, we've been able to successfully, we hope, let people understand how valuable it is to really look at your numbers and keep it real with yourself and get someone you can trust if you have trust issues, but really tell them the real deal so they can actually help you get your business where you're going. Because, I mean, the work you do not only cuts costs, but also shows where profit can be had, right? Yes. Yes, that's true. And so it's really all about cash flow, not profit. If you follow your cash flow, you'll um you'll you'll be profitable. There it is. No, I, I'm a I'm a big fan already. And um I'm gonna go, it's traditional to let Jason close this out, but I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and for being so open about your story. I mean, those that those moments couldn't have been easy. Um, you know when you had your son and you were trying to make that transition and then you get the job offer and then you go back, I can only imagine, you know, the reality of that. So it was nice meeting you and I'll let Jason close us out. Lovely meeting you awesome. too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for taking the 30 minutes of your time today. No time is precious, precious. And it's the only thing we can't get back. Once it's gone, it's gone. So That's true. we we have to pick and choose what things in our life we want to influence the most. Mm-hmm. And thank you for taking the time to come here and do just that with us and our audience. Mm. Thank you very much for the invite. It's been a good right 30 minutes. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Cheers. Cheers. 
Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.